Hey, this is Adam. I just want to let you know that the NBA segment at the end of this episode was recorded a couple weeks ago during the first games in the Orlando bubble. I was going to take it out, but I thought Cooper and I had some interesting conversations, so I kept it in. Thanks, and here's the episode. You're listening to the Dopos Podcast. Adam Doe, Cooper Hurd, my friend from SBC is here. Uh, Cooper, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Appreciate you having me on. How you been? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Gotta, I got to give you credit for uh, getting me and Sam to go get in and out with you that day, the last day. Because Sam <laughs> yeah. and I, like, dude, we were, we were at UNLV. <laughs> we were, as soon as we got in the Uber with um, Danielle, we just yeah. crash in that Uber and we were not thinking oh, about food at all. You. Yeah, we just want to go home. But then, like, we saw you guys and you guys were like, hey, you want to come? And I was like, oh, yeah. yeah, we got it. We got it. We got it. Dude, and I had to go because, you know, I'm South Carolina. So I, I think I've been to In N Out, like, I've been to In N Out three times in my life. So I went to San Jose for the 2018 uh, National Championship, the college football national championship, because Clemson was playing in it. Uh, you can see the Clemson flag up there. Um, so me and my brother went. So we got in and out our last day there. And then when I was in like fifth grade, um, a lot of my family's from California. So I went with one of my cousins. I, st- I still remember. I don't remember the food or anything, but I do remember just like going there because he talked about it. And he's just like, yeah, I mean, if you're on the West Coast, you got to go to in and out <laughs> And now every time I'm on the West Coast, I'm like, well, got to go to in and out how do you uh, how do you feel about In-N-Out? Because I've been there so many times. There's li- literally an In-N-Out like five yeah. minutes oh, yeah. that way from my house. No, there's a ton of them out there. Yeah, I thought the milkshake was pretty. It's it's one of those places like it's good. It's definitely overrated, but it's good. I mean, I'm I, I'm like in the middle. I don't have a strong In-N-Out take. You know, I feel like there's some people. I feel like it's one of those things where it's like Chick Fil A, right? You're either like I would die for Chick-fil-A or Chick-fil-A is trash. Like Chick-fil-A is the salt of the earth. You, you have to, I'm just, it's cool. It's fine. You know, it's good. I don't yeah. have a strong take on it. I think people here just love in and out because it's cheap and yeah. it's just like high quality ish. Oh yeah. Well, it's like a cool vibe too. Yeah. It feels, it's got like that eighties vibe, but it's not over the top about it. Yeah. The other substitute burgers and shakes are like way more expensive. A shake at, you know, Shake Shack, for example, yeah. is like $5, $6. Do y'all have cookout out there? What's cookout? Oh, man. Y'all don't have cookout? You ever come out to the East Coast? So I, that's one of those places I don't really know. Like, I'm sure you've heard of Bojangles. Um, no. <laughs> no. You've never heard of Bojangles? No. I don't think we have really? that here. Oh, no, no. I know y'all don't have it, but. I figured that was just iconic. Oh my god! Oh, <laughs> oh my god! Y'all, you've never heard of Bojangles or Cookout? That actually no. blows my mind. That's crazy. no. Is it just like a burger place? So Bojangles is like fried chicken. It's like Southern comfort food to the max. It's like fried chicken, like sausage biscuits. Um, you know, they got like mac and cheese and mashed potatoes, all the sides and stuff. It's just like really unhealthy comfort food uh and cookout is yeah it's like i mean it's similar to in and out where it's like cheap burgers 
like chicken tenders. They got like quesadillas, but then they have milkshakes. They have like 40 different ingredients you can put in your milkshake. Like I used to, I, I went there a bunch, I want to say my junior year of college. And I would get like Reese's, Reese's M&M and Butterfinger. And half the time the person would just like, it's like they just crushed up three candy bars and put it in my milkshake. Like they were so unhealthy. I'm sure I'm going to have diabetes one day because of them. But oh my God, they're so good. Uh, So those are two places. Like if you ever come down south and you want to feel very unhealthy and um, just be cruel to your arteries, both of those places. They're both southern cuisine for sure. Yeah. It's like benefits of being on the West Coast, I think, is like you can find everything, but like that doesn't mean that it's going to be high quality for everything. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like Southern food, there's, there's like really high quality stuff like fried chicken, for example, where over here, it's really just fried chicken, like Popeye's and church's chicken. Like they've taken over the, the mainstream chicken and there's probably good, good high quality restaurants in downtown LA, but like, I'm not going to drive 30 minutes downtown to get fried chicken. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Bojangles and Cookout aren't necessarily high-end food. It's just it's just really good. Like, I'm sure if you worked in Bojangles and saw it, how it was getting made, you would feel a lot less interested in eating there. But it tastes good. <laughs> it's They're good. Oh, the bow rounds. They're like little hash brown rounds. That's essential. That is, if you ever come to the South, Bojangles, bow rounds. And obviously, like, they got the sweet tea. That's their big thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, well, that's, that's actually, um, I've been doing a mostly uh, a vegetarian diet for like the last six months or so. And that's one of the things like in South Carolina, especially if you're not in a big city, there certainly aren't any like vegetarian or vegan places. Like I can go places and, you know, find i mean half the time i'll just get fries or something or like you know panera has the one vegetarian sandwich and i'll get that but most restaurants just don't really have vegan options but i've been going up to Asheville recently you know like the big cities like downtown Asheville, which is um Asheville is very liberal you know they've got a bunch of places like that so i think that's the one sort of thing on the west coast i think you have a lot of more health conscious people or just people that are they have, you know, a diet that is more, I don't want to say restrictive. They just have like certain diets that they follow as opposed to people in the South, like they just, (laughs) they eat whatever tastes good for the most part. Yeah. We have a bunch of, you know, gluten-free places. We have like, right. Yeah. Like keto. I don't even know what these like keto is. Keto stuff. Right. Um, Yeah. We have all kinds of like, places that can cater to people's uh diet all kinds yeah. of places yeah or like if you have to have like dairy free so like i worked at a pizza shop at clemson and they had like a gluten-free option and they had a, uh, you know the dairy free cheese but that sort of stuff is definitely the exception around here you, you gotta you gotta go and look for it that's for sure do you guys have a raisin canes over there so we have one on campus at clemson that's definitely not it i've never seen another one 
outside of that, like that's definitely not something that's out here very much, but we have one on campus at Clemson. I got it because uh, I could use my meal points or so we had like the dining hall points, but then you got like $200 worth of on-campus restaurants. So I would, I would use my meal points for that a lot and then stay on campus and study. So it's good stuff. I've heard some people say they just really didn't like it. I liked it. I mean, it's, it's like Zaxby's food, I would say. I assume you'll have Zaxby's. I only know about Zaxby's through uh, really? the Atlanta show. The Atlanta show with Donald Glover. <laughs> Childish Gambino. <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. I, I sort of figured, like, so, well, like, I know Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is everywhere now, right? Um, I figured most restaurants around here like that, it was just, yeah, at this point, they're just national brands. That's interesting. I figure especially Zaxby's is more of a big time. Yeah, no, Zaxby's is funny because it's like, it's like the anti-Chick-fil-A. Like, I swear, every time I go to Zaxby's, the person is just not, not rude or mean, but they're just... They're, nobody at Zaxby's is going to say my pleasure. That's for sure. It's sort of just like, what do you want? Here's your food. Okay, leave now. Which, I mean, it's good food, so I'm not complaining. Uh, how, how much of Atlanta have you seen? Like, a, a lot of episodes? Or just oh, a few? No, I, I think I saw, like, one episode back in the day. I definitely, I mean, I love Donald Glover. Um, mm-hmm. I watched Community, like, when it was on TV growing up. And when he left to go do his rapping career, I was like, this is so dumb. Like, why are you doing this? You're such a good actor. And then, like, a few years later, I remember hearing this guy, Childish Gambino, and I looked him up and I was like, wait, that guy looks familiar. So I guess I can't really fault him because it, it worked out pretty well for him. Clearly, he knew what he was doing. I think I've seen him on SNL, too. I'm definitely yeah. – it's one of those – I mean, it's there's just so many shows out there these days. I just – it's hard to keep track of all of them, but he's he's a guy that I'm really entertained by. There's a scene in one of the episodes where they go and order some wings, and they order yeah. the lemon pepper wings wet, and then they cheat oh, yeah. it like it's like this huge thing. And then once they open the the box, the wings are like literally glowing in their faces, and yeah, one of them starts to like tear up at how beautiful it is. <laughs> is it is it like that in real life? Um, just say yes. I mean, I would, just say yes. Just say yes. So, so I'll go. You right. got it. It's, it's it's. I remember doing that exact thing last weekend. <laughs> you know, there's so many places I want to visit, but just like for food purposes only. Yeah. Oh, oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. No, that's. I mean, right. That was the thing. The West Coast is in and out. I don't really know that many other West Coast chains per se. But yeah, I mean, when I go to a new place, I love just trying the different restaurants and stuff. I mean, especially I love a good coffee shop. Um, so like when I was in Boston, right, for the conference, I went to like three different coffee shops. Just, you know, half the time I'll just get coffee and hang out there for a little while. But it's just so fun because most of them are just so, I mean, as long as it's not a Starbucks or something, almost every coffee shop has like a unique flair to it. feels like you have to to survive. Last uh, food question before we move on here. Have yes. you ever had Korean barbecue? I don't think so. I've certainly you, do heard you know it what before. it is? I I'm vaguely familiar. So my roommate 
um, my freshman year at Clemson was South Korean, like from South Korea. Like he moved here when he was 12 or something. So he made kimchi a couple of times, or I think like his mom made it. He brought it. That stuff was good. Although it did uh, it definitely stink up the mini fridge, but I mean, it was worth it. I'm, you'd have to describe Korean barbecue to me. Like I'm familiar with the concept, but I don't think I've ever had it. Okay, dude, that's so interesting that you like kimchi because I don't, I, I've, really? I don't think I've ever, I think I've had it maybe once in my life, maybe when I was a kid, but the smell, yeah. I can't, I can't get past the, the smell. smell <laughs> the smell is pretty, our, our mini fridge smelled like that for probably the rest of the semester. Yeah. It's, it's pretty overbearing. I mean, I, I really, I, I'll try anything once. Like I love trying new foods. And so like when I was growing up, my favorite pizza was mushroom pizza. Like I like some weird things. Um, uh-huh. I, yeah. I like some weird things. I don't like mushrooms on pizza. I don't think, I think mushrooms I on pizza it. is a crime. That's fair. That I uh, agree to disagree. Agree okay. to disagree. <laughs> okay. Back to Korean barbecue. It's, yeah. it's basically, um, you go into a restaurant with like ideally with a group of two to four people. Mm-hmm. Um, you pay about, you know, a good price is like 23 bucks per person. And you can eat as much meat as you want. They bring the meat to you and then you cook it yourself. Um, okay. You just dip it in salt or their sauce, their barbecue sauce, um, some oil. You can uh, make like a sort of like a taco for yourself where they have like these. Yeah. Um, it's not exactly Mexican tortillas, but it's like radish rolls or whatever. You fill it up with like some vegetables, some like corn. It's, it's some pork, sprout. I assume, right? What was that? It's, it's still it's pork, right? I would assume. Uh, all kinds. You can get beef, pork, oh, okay. chicken, um, and then you cook it yourself. And they have like a fan on top of your table, so it sucks all the air from your table. Okay. And then you know, every once in a while, the the grill gets burnt a little bit, and then they come and take a, the, your grill and give you a new one. And That's usually, interesting. Restaurant policy is like they you can stay for like two hours, but really, no one really, yeah. no one, no one can really handle more than two hours of eating. I would imagine, yeah. That yeah. okay. That's an interesting experience. I, I don't. Okay, I've definitely. I <laughs> when I said I was familiar with the Korean barbecue, I definitely was not aware of that whole process. That does sound really good, though. And that's that, that's exactly the sort of thing I would love because, like I'm saying, I love diff- trying different things. Like my favorite, my ideal meal is like three little meals, like little samples of each. So that sounds really good. We have to try that. You know, it'd be really, Vegas is like the perfect place to do it. Like ideally if really? we all can meet up at summer league again, like yeah. just a handful of us. And then I don't know the, maybe the West coast people could like have some ideas and go take some people to Korean barbecue or something. Yeah, dude. I remember, I feel like I remember some people talking about that while we were in Vegas, it just never really materialized, but. I'm well, we were kind of, we were kind of running that. on fumes. So the yeah. kind of challenging. Yeah. Yeah, free time ended up being a relaxing time for the most part. Did a lot of sleeping. Oh, and I don't know. I think I probably sent this in the Slack, but so like I, you know, flew home that night. I uh, was, you know, red eye. I think my flight out was at like twelve fifty three a.m. It, it was crazy. Um, but I saw Kobe White in the airport. I mean, you, and you could recognize him right away because he's got that fro, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But I remember seeing him and seeing him get in line. And at first, I was like, <laughs> that's funny. Even Kobe White has to sit in the line because it was 
400 people in line. It was miserable. It was horrible. Um, and then he got to the front of the line. I was like, <laughs> wow, Kobe <laughs> White cut, cut you in line, huh? Yeah. Well, he cut, he cut a lot of people in line. I, th- I think they sort of escorted him to the front. That's the Chicago Bulls, baby. That's a VIP treatment. They know how to treat their rookies, apparently. Wow. So, <laughs> um, how, how was uh, how was Sloan, by the way? Um, given 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 what we know now, and given the state of the world now, like, do you think Sloan was a good idea? So, I when I came back, like, I was avoiding contact with my parents. I was trying not to go out. I assumed I had COVID. Um, just because it was a massive conference with, you know, thousands of people. And so the second and third floor were us, you know, Sloan. So there was a first floor that was hosting a massive volleyball tournament as well. So, I mean, there were tens of thousands of people in this conference center. Um, I, I do think, so like Daryl was good about messaging, like, you know, wash your hands. No, don't, don't hand, don't shake hands like fist bump. I remember in his opening thing, like that was one of the things he talked about. Um, and I saw, I saw Howard Beck there. Uh, I worked with Howard in our, the, uh, the mock trade deadline at SBC. So he kind of, he remembered me and we talked for a little bit and you know, he was good. You know, he didn't, he just bumped hands, but I mean, I remember I, I said, I definitely shook a few hands there. I just didn't really, didn't really comprehend what was going on. Um, and I actually met, so or I met up with one of my friends from college that she worked at not. So I mentioned Biogen is the place that had that big outbreak. She worked at like a company across the street. It was like a different pharmaceutical company. So, I mean, it was in Boston, especially by the time it was over. Um, was it a good idea? I mean, I think I don't. In retrospect, it probably would have been the rational decision to cancel it or at least cut it short. But at the same time, it did work out. Um, and they they were very good about it. They had people in there cleaning, wiping down surfaces. Um, you know, they, they were good about doing what they could. And at that point, there were so few people that had it that the odds of it getting in were pretty, pretty small. Um, I mean, I guess I'm really glad it went on. I'm really glad I got to experience it. But at the same time, it's tough to say that the rational decision was to go forward with it. But at the same time, I mean, I flew there on a plane. I was going to have to go to the airport and fly back. It's not like I was just going to leave in quarantine. I mean, either way, so like the airport would have been as big of a risk as being at the conference. Um, I stayed in a hotel with God knows how many people. I think it was just one of those things. So that was, um, I know, I, I know you listened to the low post, uh, Zach's podcast. He talked about how the, the Boston Celtics played the jazz the Friday while we were there in Boston. And right. I mean, I almost went to that game. I ended up just crashing cause I was really tired. Um, but like he talked about, like he went, he interviewed Rudy Gobert who had COVID um, you know, everyone at that game, I mean, they were at risk. I think it was just that point where we just didn't really get it. We didn't realize what was to come. So I think it's hard to really, it's, if, if you're going to criticize them for holding that, you have to criticize everybody. You have to criticize the whole nation, which isn't necessarily 
wrong. I mean, so I think it's one of those things we, we got to learn from um, in the future. We probably need to be more proactive. I think that's my takeaway. I think, I think I've rambled on long enough about that. Yeah. I'm glad it happened. It was a great uh-huh. experience for me. And I don't think I got sick. I haven't taken an antibody test, but I'm still I don't here, recall I any, any breakouts from slow either. So right. that was the one thing I, I would have heard. Uh, I definitely would have heard about it. If, if someone had gotten sick, I'm sure they would have sent an email out to the participants. You, you would imagine. Um, it, it did not, as far as I'm aware, nobody got sick from the conference. Actually also, Fun tidbit, like you were, so this actually, you know how you were saying you and uh, Davis got lined up alphabetical order. This, <laughs> this is just a stupid little thing that I thought was fun. Um, they had a, you know, they obviously they give you all these handouts and whatnot when you go, but they had a printout of everyone who showed up to the conference. My name was right under Sam Hinkie. Wow, what Not an honor that anything. is. Not to flex or anything, but you know, Sam Hinkie, Cooper Heard. Not saying it means anything, but uh, not saying it doesn't. What does he? Uh, what does he even do nowadays? Um, I re- I remember seeing something like he teaches at Stanford. I was gonna say I'm pretty sure he's a professor at Stanford. I think I think that's what he did before he was in the NBA. So, um, I think he was there. Uh, sorry, obviously he was there because his name was in the booklet. I think he was um, a lecturer at the conference. So I think he's still involved. He probably consults with people, but I think he's primary position yeah i think he's i think he's a professor i think we all like underestimated um the pandemic everybody you know not, yeah. no one a, a few amount of people were saying that this is going to be a terrible thing for the united states everyone else was just uh totally underestimating it yeah and i think you know you guys just got lucky everybody at the conference got lucky that nothing bad happened and uh you, you, you it was good timing i think where the virus was very slow in the the united states so yeah glad you got to experience that yeah well i mean it's right at the end of the day it was luck you know and that's what we'll see with the the bubble the nba bubble i mean they've done what they can same thing with the conference right they did what they can to prevent the spread but at the end of the day even if the risk is low there is risk and for each additional person you have you know the risk is tiny infinitesimal that one individual person at that conference was going to get sick, but there's 10,000 people there. So when you combine the risk of each of those people, then you've got 30% risk, 40% risk. You know, it it gets to a point where it's a coin flick. It's luck. Right. And if the NBA bubble is to work, if we're going to crown a champion, we're going to have to get lucky because you can do everything in your power to keep people safe, but you, you, we're not God. Yeah. Um, one, one last question about Sloan before we uh, talk some basketball, maybe, Absolutely. or actually, I actually want to talk about Clemson um, a little bit, but uh, I've heard, I've heard through people that do the Sloan participants get to be in like a Slack group, just like SPC, like you guys communicate through Slack or is it, was it totally through email? Uh, I heard through someone that said, that he would use the Slack to try to hit up some of like the, the speakers and ask to like meet one-on-one at some time during the conference. I don't think I was invited to a Slack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't, I, I don't think so. Um, I know there was a, 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 Tendify, an app that I think some people communicated through. So maybe that's what he was talking about. Um, or it may have just been like a particular section. I know I went as a student 
So there may have been some differences um, just with that. I see. Cause like, I, yeah, I was going to say I, I paid less money cause I was able to register as a student. So very thankful for that too. Oh yeah. I forget. I forgot that they had like different price price points yeah. for, for everybody. Was it, was it worth it then going at, at the student price? For me, it was, okay. um, you know, just, just like with Vegas. I mean, it was, it was a good amount of money. Don't get me wrong. And, and then, you know, with travel and a hotel, like it was a lot of money. Um, but it's just cause, cause I'm, I'm one of these people that I'm not going to, so I consider myself a pretty hard worker. Um, you know, and, and if I'm with a good group of people, I'm going to feed off of that. But if I don't have motivation, if I don't have like a goal, if I don't see where I'm going, I'm just, I can slack off. I cannot work very hard. So for me to go to see these people talk and to, it's like, I'm doing a business analytics degree. I'm a couple of weeks away from finishing actually to see like tangible evidence that what I'm doing applies to where I want to go. That was huge for me. Not to mention just, you know, talking with Howard again and um, seeing these people and just the lectures themselves. I mean, you can see all these lectures are on YouTube and whatnot. I mean, that's not the biggest thing. They, they actually had workshops. Um, so the first day was mostly lectures. The second day was workshops. So there was a workshop where um, two dudes that work in the NFL came and talked to us about how they do analysis in I want to say it was like Python, you know, and then this, uh, this woman that's, I think she's getting her PhD at MIT talked to us about doing optimization in um, some, I think it was, the language is called Julia. Um, it's just that sort of stuff was really helpful. And, you know, even beyond, I mean, it's not like I learned enough to go get a job from that workshop, but that sort of motivates you and puts you on a path you know, it gives you an idea of, okay, this sort of stuff that I'm learning in the classroom actually is relevant to the field I want to be in. Same thing with me, I think, where if I'm not like really motivated in something, I'm just going to get bored and I mean, it's tough. And yeah. not going to commit. Right. Especially the idea of, for me, I'm very heavily influenced by the people I'm around. So if I'm working with people that just kind of are there, so like, some of the people I'm in this program with, you know, and a few of them dropped out at the beginning of the semester. Those were more the people I'm talking about. They sort of just wanted to get a degree so they could make more money. Uh, they weren't necessarily passionate about analytics. They didn't like, I I've always loved, you know, data and analytics. And I mean, it's sports, right? It's all numbers, you know, obviously baseball is the main one, but football and basketball, there's just so much data out there. And mostly, you know, I think in the eighties and whatnot, you didn't have that much, but our generation has been able to see these numbers. You can go online and find them, you know, since we've been 10 years old. So we've just grown up knowing that sports and data are intertwined in such a, to such a great degree. So I think if you're around the right people, it's so much easier to be motivated because it's one thing to, you know, want to do great work because you want to be great. I think everybody wants to be great at, at some degree, but it's, it's hard to always believe that you can be great. And it's always, it, it's hard to remind yourself of that every day, every hour. Sometimes it's easy to just forget why you're doing what you're doing. And if you're with people that are similarly minded, 
I think they can help keep you in check, even if, with, you know, without realizing it. Wow. Is this, uh, is this what Clemson has teaches its students, how to be a motivational yes. speaker yeah. right here? Uh, welcome to my TED Talk. Uh, glad you could make it. Tell me about uh, Clemson. What, uh, are you guys going online for, for, the, for the next year, next semester? So, so I actually, so I graduated from Clemson last year. I'm doing this one-year master's program. Uh, I, I'm graduating in a week or two. So I will be out. I'm actually, I've been, I've been applying to jobs for a few months now. Um, still looking. We'll see. I, I've got, I've, I have had a couple of interviews, but um, still looking. Um, my younger brother, though, and my younger sister, they're going to be senior and sophomore at Clemson, respectively. So what I've heard from my brother is that they're doing online for the first month, and then they're going to see where it goes from there. Because obviously, you know, Clemson is a massive football school. Um, in the town of Clemson, like Clemson is in Clemson, South Carolina. That town feeds off of the football season. Um, like they're going to be very financially, they're going to be hit hard financially if students aren't there. You know, even if the football season isn't held, if students aren't there, it's going to be, it's going to be bad financially up there. Um, you know, I mean, there's so many apartment complexes that are going to be empty. There's so many businesses that aren't going to have customers. I mean, that doesn't mean we should bring back schools to save the economy. I mean, you got to do what's going to save people's lives. You have to, you have to make the right decision, but it's one of those factors you have to weigh. Um, as far as I'm aware though, they're, they're sort of taking a month online and then seeing where it goes, which I think is a smart approach. And I mean, it's sort of what the NBA did, right? It said, let's take a break. Um, we're not going to make any huge decisions until we have more information and, we'll see what the data tells us. Right. I mean, that wasn't that silver's quote. We'll, we'll see so. what the data yeah. says. Right. Yeah. So I, I think that's the smart approach. I think that's what Clemson's doing. Uh, Irvine for me, we're going to go. I was totally, going to ask about that. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to go totally online for the really? fall quarter. We're, we're a quarter system school. So fall, winter, spring, hmm. as of right now, we're just doing totally online fall quarter. Um, there are so there's like that problem with like the international students which i think is still being like discussed right now like whether or not mm -hmm. they can stay if they're just going to take online classes um hopefully that ends well but i think our school our school is like pretty um i think we're a pretty liberal school and like we we care about mm -hmm. like you know a lot of people and we're very progressive so even before they they uh, renounced that that dumb decision um there were like some there, like I saw emails were being sent out to like professors what, um, to see if they can host like in-person classes so that people right. can show up to like uh, avoid being uh, getting deported. I had um, heard about schools around here doing that too. Cause yeah, I mean, Clemson doesn't have 30% international students, but there's a pretty heavy international population at Clemson as well. Yeah. Especially and, among you know, uh, graduate programs. And our school doesn't have the problem of having a successful football program. So we don't really have to worry about the financial implications of not having football games. We don't even yeah. have a football team, by the way. I didn't know that. That does kind of make sense, though, since it's part of the UC system. Although I guess, do you all have a basketball? You all have a basketball team, right? Yeah, our basketball team, we made March Madness last year. And like we got our first win I do like, ever, that. ever in history. It was our second time making March Madness and our first time getting mm -hmm. a win. Um, so Shout out to y'all. There's technically, technically, um, Cooper, there's UCLA at the top, UC Berkeley, and then us. 
technically out of you know the the several uc uh, campuses out there sure pretty sure um, santa barbara has been there several times ah uh, you're probably right yeah you're probably right sorry my dad went to ucsb so i had to drop that on you yeah i i, I looked at the <laughs> history i looked at the history of like who wins they may have the... never won a game though right right i wouldn't I, be I shocked look that up i i remember looking through like the history of like how mm. our conference tournament usually plays out and we've won it a couple times two times or yeah yeah and then the other schools obviously would get to win as well so yeah you're probably right they've probably made march madness but i don't know if they've won or not i wouldn't be shocked if they've never won because i think they're generally you know 14 to 16 seed i do I, now that you mentioned i do remember that because it was irvine was like they, they weren't a 15 seed i mean were they like a 12 seed we were just assume we were pretty low pretty low yeah but i think there's a i think there's been like you know four teams in history that have won as a 15 seed and then obviously the one team that's won as a 16 seed ever so even being a 14 seed you know going against that ninth or 10th best team as opposed to the first or the best or the third best team i think that's a huge difference but anyways um, i think we beat kansas state last year that that does i think y'all were the 12 seed i'm almost positive uh-huh. I, I i always make a bracket every year even though i don't always know what i'm doing um that does sound familiar that was maybe the 5 12 seed are y'all y'all have like a weird mascot right is it like the ant eaters or something oh yeah is yeah, it it's an ant eaters yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah the, that's, that's that's the number one uh ranked mascot in the country to you cooper the ant eaters there i saw some i saw some poll held nationally and Ant eaters are like number one in terms of like uniqueness uniqueness fair enough i was gonna say i'm guessing that poll was not run by ants (laughs) i'm glad Uh, i think so i'm glad you like that one (laughs) yeah no i was gonna say uh so i'm I'm doing my grad program at usc upstakes it's here in spartanburg um and it's a branch of obviously the university of south carolina so they don't have a football team but they do have a basketball team um so i think it's a similar situation right where yeah, you don't have a football team that kind of steps on the, the big school, but that also allows you to put most of your – your basketball team is your number one team. As opposed to at Clemson, like, we certainly put a lot of effort into our uh, basketball team. Uh, we beat Duke last year. I was at that game. That was awesome. We made the tourney a couple of years ago. Um, but it's a secondary thing, right? You know, the football team is number one. They get way more money. They're way more important in terms of the, the school's focus. But – uh, upstate puts a lot of a lot of effort into their program actually you may not know this but denver nuggets um rotation player i think that's probably the best i, I was trying to think of like the best the best the most credit i could give him uh tory craig is actually he's a usc upstate alumnus so uh shout out to tory craig got got out of usc upstate went over to um Oh my God, the big, the big continent, Australia. Oh man, wow, I forgot Australia for a second there. Went over to Australia for a few years, came over. Um, you really made a mark. I mean, it's impressive. I feel like, I mean, guys do that occasionally, but I, I feel like the guys that go overseas and then come back over and become real rotation players are usually from bigger schools or at least had some sort of. I feel like a lot of those guys were top 100 recruits coming out of high school. Tory Craig 
came from nowhere. I mean, USC Upstate is not a basketball powerhouse to be to be to be sure. Um, just want to throw that out there. You might be surprised to know this, but um, Scotty Brooks, head coach of the Washington Wizards, went to UCI for two years, and uh, yeah, yeah, whatever. We had his jersey retired uh, last uh, November. Oh, so really? you knew that? You knew that? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, so he Scott Brooks. He was he was actually pretty good. He um I think he made some Hall of Fame for UCI and then of course really? getting his jersey retired. Yeah. He was apparently a very like flashy guard player. I didn't know that. I mean I know he was like in the NBA, like a fringe NBA guy for a few years. Um I mean obviously he's been much more successful as a coach, but I guess that makes sense. I mean, if you're a fringe NBA point guard, you especially someone like him who I'm guessing didn't have like a 40 inch vertical or anything. You were probably really good in college, especially if you were at UC Irvine. So yeah. Shout shout out to Scotty Brooks. I think he may be our most famous alum at this point, but we do, we do have some, we do have some, uh, our baseball program is pretty good. So some Mm -hmm. of the players like they go pro. So I know, I know of at least one guy who uh, plays for the Milwaukee Brewers, I think. I guess that kind of makes sense. It's probably good good baseball weather out there. Um, it is pretty good baseball weather. We're we're pretty good in baseball, volleyball, basketball. Um, yeah. Our volleyball is like volleyball. Men's volleyball team is like ranked pretty high up there every year. That's interesting. I think Clemson has a really good soccer program as well. Actually, you know the one. Um, I don't know if you actually follow baseball at all, but uh, Coastal Carolina, which is it's in Conway, South Carolina. I actually. When I was first born, we lived there for like seven years. They won the College World Series a couple of years ago. Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. So, yeah, baseball is definitely one of those programs. You just, you know, I don't want to say you've cut out, but you've almost cut out half the country in terms of the northern schools. Just they're probably going to focus on hockey if they are going to have a third sport like that. So it is always interesting to see those schools that just kind of come out of nowhere for a certain sport. Um, you know, the one I played lacrosse in high school. So the one was always Johns Hopkins lacrosse program. It's just like, they don't, you know, they're not relevant in football, basketball. I don't even know if they have those teams, but lacrosse, those boys can play lacrosse. That's for sure. As to, uh, the football problem of my school, I'm, I'm at the point of desperation where I'm thinking, you know, starting when the college football season like normally starts, I'm just going to start like writing fake football articles for my school just so people may have something to look forward to every week. Like I'll just make up a team and then I'll, I'll, I'll pretend like we're going against some other team. It'll totally be satire pieces, but like, I, I, I don't even know how long it would take me to write them, but like, of course, like I'm going to make like just outrageous things happen during the game so that unless you're like really stupid, like you're obviously going to know, like I'm making this up like a desperate sports fan at UCI is like making up sports games to happen. That would actually be really entertaining. You could pit them against other schools that don't have football programs too. Oh, that's a good one. I didn't think of that. I, I would, I think you could find an audience for that. That'd be pretty entertaining. I, I was all for that idea. Yeah, yeah. I was I was thinking at first I was just thinking that I pit UCI against like teams with actual football teams and that the teams with actual football teams would like win every single time and then we'd rack up like a zero 
zero of 25 record for the season or something like that. Ah, the dude. whole point, the whole point is just to like get some interest in the community and like try to yeah. get a, a team started. I feel like that's the opposite of how you get interest. I feel like you really? should make them win every time. Oh, just saying like, you, you got to give people that, that dopamine rush, you know? Right. It's like right. we had the Panthers go 15 and 0 going to the playoffs that one year. And I mean, people kind of care about the Panthers, but that year, Everyone was a Panthers fan. You got to give them the show them what it's like to be winners. Right, right. I'm just, I'm just, it's the idea's been in my mind for quite a while now, like more than I do a like year. That, idea. that is, yeah, yeah. that is kind of funny. I was inspired it, by like Keen Peel, like Hingle McCringleberry, but then yeah. I'd be, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, you'd have to have like a few star players that people were interested in keeping up with. And then, yeah, there'd have to be like a couple crazy antics every time. Like occasionally, like off the field stuff. Like, yeah, um, some someone brought their like uh, service dog to the game, and the service dog ended up running onto the field and scoring a touchdown. Uh, that's not a great example, but so- something like that. I did think of the idea of having my 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 school like win every single time, and then the byline of the article would be like something like you know. A team, this team is so good. It's as if like a desperate sports fan at UCI made it, made it up entirely just to blah, 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 blah. It's almost too good to be true. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost too good to be true. It's like, it's like a, (laughs) it's like a bored college student about to graduate suddenly decided to make up a football team. Yeah. I would, I would definitely be all for that. I support that idea. The problem is I don't watch football. So I'd have to really, really like learn how to write about football. That may complicate things a little bit. I mean, I feel like you could, you could definitely get enough. I mean, yeah, you could just read a couple of articles about games that are going on and sort of poach ideas. I don't think it'd be that tough to pick up on. You can pick up on the terminology pretty easily. Or I could just, you know, write it from just like a casual sports fan that wants to experience football games, you know, like no need oh, to get into yeah. specifics oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. of college football. Yeah. No, just saying like you could um, pick up enough so that it sounds like you're talking about football. Suppose it's just mm-hmm. like being like sports happened. Just uh, one of my ideas that uh, that's been floating around in my head for a while now. Just because I, I that. just you know Saturday mornings in Irvine is just like a like a normal Saturday in any suburban uh, town. Really, just nothing going on. I can't even imagine um, that. Yeah, it's not. It's it's not fun. I'm like, if you ever get to. The- we don't we, we miss out on the uh, the fall tailgates that every other school gets mm-hmm. to do. So the excitement of sports doesn't really come until basketball season starts. Yeah, yeah. And if you ever get a, ch- I was gonna say if you ever get a chance to see a Clemson football game in person, I mean it's, I'm sure it's like that at most big schools, but it's it's something else just to see this small town filled with you know hundreds of thousands of people it's 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 unlike anything i've ever seen i paid significantly more money than a regular ucla student to go to a ucla football game (laughs) yeah they were paying they were paying like 20 bucks or 25 i paid like i paid 50 or 70 i think yeah just to just to be in the student section with everyone else but then i i go there and i look around the um the rose bowl stadium in pasadena Mm. And then I noticed, like, there are UCLA students, like, sitting all around the, the arena. So it's not like I, – I, I initially thought that 
all the students would be sitting in the student section, but really they, they just sit wherever they want. That's weird. So I think, well, there's just so many people. I, I don't want to disparage UCLA, but uh, I think Clemson games are at this point pretty much all packed. So yeah, it's t- you can't really just go wherever you want. I mean, like when they buy tickets, they oh, just buy, oh, buy wherever they want. They don't, okay. they don't necessarily go towards the student section only, which is what I thought they that's would do. Weird. Yeah, that is weird. I don't know. That's, that's, maybe that's just a UCLA thing. I, don't, I feel like most, most places are pretty good at their student section. You want to talk about basketball, though? Oh, right. Know. We're Crazy. approaching an hour. I'm thinking, I'm thinking maybe a little basketball talk. <laughs> All right, just to just to end the end the call. Um, what uh, I've seen a couple games. Um, initial thoughts. I'm glad they're playing seriously. So to to warm warm them up for the real real games. Um, I I watched the Lakers game yesterday, and I remember they were up by more Who than ten versus? points. Lakers versus the was it Magic. the Dallas game? Oh, Ma- okay. Magic, I think. Okay, I watched the Dallas one. So I haven't seen that. The ahead, Dallas sorry. one, it was, it was. I I noticed they they took LeBron and AD out pretty early, and you know, again they lost. But like, who cares? They it was just the first game ever in months. Um, yesterday's game though, I remember they were up by like ten, more than ten. I went to go get food. I come back and they're like, it's like neck and neck, like two points down. Um, it was exciting to see. I think. Uh, what oh, what team yeah. did you see? So I've seen, I saw obviously the Dallas uh, Lakers game. That was a really good, that was down to the buzzer too. Seth Curry was hitting all of those three. That's a, I have noticed a lot of people have been hitting shots. I, I mean, I mean, obviously they're NBA players that are going to hit shots, but it seems like, you know, I feel like there was a lot of talk about there's going to be rust. People are going to be shaky, especially the skill guys. I haven't seen as much of that. I will say it almost feels like, I think you can tell that it's a scrimmage. I think a lot of these shooters, the reason they're hitting shots is because they're not getting pressured that hard. Um, a lot of guys are getting opportunities to, you know, set their feet, you know, square up to the basket and really take their time of shooting. Um, I, I will be interested to see if shooting percentages almost dip when the regular season games start, or especially the playoffs, because I, I think it seems almost like guys are trying harder on offense than defense, which seems counterintuitive to the whole idea that you had a bunch of time off and you're rusty. Um, I keep hearing announcers say, yeah, you can tell these guys had a chance to, they've, they've been practicing. They were in gyms, which, yeah, I'm not shocked. You, you know, all these guys were in gyms working out. I mean, LeBron was not just sitting around playing Fortnite for four months. Uh, speaking of which LeBron's gray beard thoughts, so was he just dying it all this time and or did he really age that much in four months i think i think he was 35 years old he's like 35 years old that is really young to be having gray hair isn't it i think he was dying his beard i you know uh a couple people that we know actually um i i heard they they like people on the tv side i think i think bo said publicly that he 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 would like dye his hair usually when he when he's working, but when he's home, like he's not. Yeah, interesting. I think he tweeted he tweeted it out saying that. Um, it makes sense though. Like when when you're on TV a lot, you kind of care more about your your image. So oh yeah, you probably would dye your hair. It's a it's an interesting look. I like I like to imagine that 
um, wizard LeBron James is coming out. His passing is so magical, he's turning into an actual wizard. That's why his hair is going gray. Wow, it seems like you're a bigger LeBron fan than I am. I respect him, that's for sure. That man can that man is something else. Um, love love watching. I guess back to the other games that I've seen. So I did see the Pelicans play the Nets, which was <laughs> it was really funny to see the Nets starting lineup because it was um, Karis Levert, Chris Chioza, Timothy Luwalo Cabarro. Did I already say Karis Levert? Oh, sorry, Garrett yeah. Temple and Jared Allen. And it was funny. I'm watching the game with my brother and my dad. And I mean, you know, they both, they're not NBA fans like we are, but they keep up with the games. You know, I mean, I make them watch a bunch of the games. I asked my brother, like, how many of those names do you know? He knew Jared Allen and Karis LeVert. I mean, it honestly, that's kind of impressive. I mean, Jared Allen and Karis LeVert are not necessarily household names. So just seeing three guys that are, God, I mean, maybe they're, uh, Garrett Temple is a good rotation player, but the other two guys probably don't – they're not going to get minutes on the Bucks. No way. Maybe they're on the Bucks roster. To see those guys start when, you know, the Pelicans are starting like a full far, starting five of like Lonzo, Brandon Ingram, um, Jackson Hayes is probably their most borderline starter. That was funny to see. Uh, one thing, though, that I noticed in the Pelicans game, you know who looks really good? Jaleel Okafor. He looked really nimble in that game. Like, I, I saw him. He made a few sort of, like, face-up, you know, one dribble around the basket moves. It was really impressive. I mean, most of the time he was going against the guy that's a fringe NBA guy. But, I mean, I certainly don't ever remember him looking that agile. Um, so, he's one of those guys. Chris Paul is the other one that in the last year they've talked about. And I think Jaw's been doing it for a couple of years. They've gone to the plant-based diet. Um, I don't know if you've seen it or heard about it, but there's that Netflix documentary Game Changers that focuses on the plant-based diet. It's like talking about athletes that do it, you know, as opposed to Kyrie. Kyrie does it. Does he really? Yeah, he said like it it makes him feel a lot better just playing and just a lot faster, healthier. Yeah. So I mean, I like I said, I've been doing vegetarian. It's not. I'm not all the way plant-based. Like I'll eat dairy and stuff, but. You know, I'm, I'm pretty plant-based and I definitely feel a lot healthier. Um, I mean, I'll still eat ice cream from time to time. You know, I'll, I'll eat cheese and whatnot, but I could definitely tell a difference, and especially when I'm like strict on the diet. Like when I go out and run, even if I run for a little while, my stamina is significantly higher. Um, and I think jaw, you can definitely tell a difference with him. Chris Paul. So there's been a ton of conversation, obviously this year he's, stayed so healthy he's played a lot of minutes he's been really productive he's been dunking the ball right I mean was the last time you saw Chris Paul dunk I think people are really underestimating the fact that he switched to this diet and you can imagine I mean Chris Paul I think the thing is people aren't necessarily not doing it because they're like eh I really want to eat meat I think a lot of these like the top level competitors the reason they eat meat is because they think it's the best option, right? I think you think, yeah, grilled chicken breast, that's really healthy. I think that, you know, it's, I have very little doubt in my mind that Chris Paul is very strict in his plant-based diet. You know, he's not eating ice cream like I am. Um, he's not eating dairy. So 
I would not be surprised. That's a major component of how he stayed so healthy this year. And I think, you know, a lot of people are talking about how it's a fluke. You know, it's just, uh, it just, he just happened to stay healthy this year. He's getting older still. And he's at that point where he's not just getting older, but every year it's a steeper and steeper projected decline. I would not be surprised if he's going to be healthier the next couple of years than he was in his Rockets tenure. Cause I think that diet is, I mean, it's a legitimate kind of corny. It's a game changer. It's the documentary. I, I would definitely, I don't know if you've seen it. I would check it out. Uh, even if you don't switch, it's worth watching. It's pretty yeah. interesting. I haven't seen it. I'll definitely like add it to my list. Um, yeah. Speaking of the thunder though, I don't think anyone knew that the thunder would be in the playoffs at all. Like, I think my preseason um, just like notes were just Thunder were they were one of the lottery teams and they were like far like near the Golden State Warriors I think in terms of uh, of a uh, playoff competitiveness. Um, what do you think about the Lou Will situation that happened overnight or that was announced last night and then was resolved today? I personally am happy with like the decision. Um, if they let him off the hook for you know giving him an excused absence and letting him leave and then him just like kind of abusing that and if they let him get away with it then I don't think the bubble would be as secure I think my main takeaway I'm not surprised the NBA you know enforced it like they did I'm just disappointed that especially a guy like that who's you know he's been in the NBA for so long he's like a 15-year veteran on a contending team too I'm just surprised that he would disappointed um, that he would do that sort of thing. Um, I mean, I think it just shows, and I live in South Carolina, man, like people do not take this disease seriously. Not, not everyone takes it seriously, I guess. You know, even I, like I'm working at a restaurant right now. Um, I mean, I'm, I keep my face mask on. I've got gloves on and whatnot, but you know, it's hard to be out in public and stay safe. Like the, real solution is to stay at home or stay in your quote unquote own personal bubble. But people just don't always take it as seriously as they should. And I think that's the real takeaway. I mean, people are going to demonize Lou well and to an extent, I mean, I'm sure some people are going to go overboard, but to an extent, like, yeah, man, you got to realize, I mean, you're jeopardizing something that's much bigger than you. At the end of the day, it's a health thing. You know, we're talking about, Greg Popovich and Mike D'Antoni, these guys are late Alvin Gentry, right? These guys are in their sixties. Like I get it. And it's hard to really grasp the severity of what you've done until you've done it. But if you bring that in and someone dies because of you, how are you going to live with yourself? Because Lou Will's a good person. I don't think he was, he's not, he's, this is not, malice it's just negligence and even if no one dies um if there is an outbreak and then they they discover it in time and they just stop everything and then they just decide to cancel everything then the cba probably gets torn up um i wonder what he i wonder what he's feeling right now but knowing what we know as like just general salary cap knowledge people like just like the actions of like him and going and say like his friend didn't post his picture on Instagram. Like we just never knew about it. And then he just go to Orlando and then he tests positive. But then what if by then 
by the test result, uh, when the test result comes, like he, he'd already inf- infect someone else. And then I just, so yeah, unfortunate, but I think, I think everything, I think the, the ending is fair. And, and I do think, I doubt we'll see this happen again. Just given the backlash, I think guys, it's a lot um, media backlash and thousands of people on Twitter calling you a POS that is much more tangible than the idea of catching a virus and bringing it in. So I think that's going to be more of a deterrent. You know, it's unfortunate, but it's like we were saying before, right? I mean, as humans, it's hard to always stay accountable when you're just talking about stuff in theory, you know, when you're in your junior year at college, trying to stay accountable for every single assignment for every test, when you don't really know what you're doing it for, it's not a specific job. You don't really have a path. You don't really know where you're going with it. It's hard to keep yourself accountable all the time. Honestly, I imagine the media, the media backlash is going to keep people more accountable, um, which I guess at the end of the day isn't the worst thing in the world. I, I don't think I ever, um, I don't recall you ever telling me who your teams are. Are you rooting for a team or are you just a, a general basketball fan going to uh, playoffs and the, uh, so, the seeding games? Yeah, so I definitely I'm, – I'm a general NBA fan. You know, I just love watching the league. Um, again, I'm in South Carolina, so are you going to tell me I'm a Charlotte Hornets fan? Because I'll just stop watching the NBA. I swear I will just – I won't watch it. If you make me be a Charlotte Hornets fan, um, I mean – don't get me wrong. Devontae Graham is awesome. Like, you know, PJ Washington, dude. Um, Cheaper tickets, I'm assuming. Yeah, but God, the games are so depressing, dude. But I was going to say, so we actually, my family, my dad, <laughs> my dad paid a lot of money for t- uh, tickets to the Pelicans game, assuming Zion was going to be there. And it was, it was early in the season, so he was still out. But stadium's like a fourth full, maybe a fifth even. And nobody is standing. Uh, people are just talking. It's like a baseball game. It's so depressing to be there, dude. Um, I mean, I can't imagine being a player there. I can't believe Kimba almost stayed. Like, being in that environment, it's just depressing, man. Like, I can only imagine going from there to the garden. It's got to be so much better. So, it's one of those things, like, if I had a group of friends and we were going, we were really into the team, like, that's one thing, you know, but I'm just – if I lived in Charlotte, I'm sure I'd be a Charlotte Hornets fan. But from here, yeah. Um, I would say, though, my team, and, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've been at home in Spartanburg getting this grad degree. Uh, me and my dad have really been following the Pelicans just because Zion. Uh, I'm, sh- I'm sure I've mentioned this, but Zion is from Spartanburg, which is my hometown. It's where I am now. Um, we saw him play in high school a couple of times. You know, um, I mean, that dude is the most exciting thing in sports. He's the most exciting prospect. You can tell me Anthony Davis was exciting, as exciting as Zion. I would disagree with you. I think he's the most exciting prospect since LeBron. I mean, Anthony Davis is awesome, but he wasn't what Zion is. Zion is something we have never seen before, ever. I mean, and that's the same thing LeBron was. And I actually... Man, I, I would be down to talk about – we could do a whole Zion podcast, and I would, I would take it as long as this one is gone. Um, I just think that guy has the potential to be 
a a not just a franchise altering player but a league altering player i think he could change basketball i think he could be a michael jordan lebron figure um i don't want to say he's going to be that good on the court i think he has the potential to though because he's got he's got as much athleticism as those guys did right and the thing you see at his high school games so it's again it's really hard to compare a guy to lebron james right i mean that's just unfair to do that but one of the things they always talked about with LeBron in high school was he, he was, his teammates were his best friends and he loved to make his teammates look good. So I think one of the comparisons, you know, or um, to contrast James Harden, right? Everyone always says, Oh, why would you want to play with James Harden or the Rockets? You know, you don't get the ball. You just have to stand in the corner. I think that's overblown, but at the same time, James Harden is there to win. And he knows the win, it's just like he's the center. He's going to make plays. He's going he's gonna to do him. LeBron loves – so, like, when you watch those Lakers games, when Taylor Horton Tucker got his first points, Devontae Kaycock got his first points, LeBron is excited for them. LeBron loves to see his teammates succeed. They are his brothers. Zion is the same way. You know, I remember there's so much – uh, talk about how Zion was or getting messed up by R.J. Barrett and R.J. Barrett was getting messed up by Zion when they were teammates at Duke. Those dudes loved each other. Like, they were best friends. I think Zion's teammates love him. And he's just a guy that is going to try to make everybody on the floor better. And when you have that mindset and when you have this work ethic and this willingness to learn and develop your game, not just to make yourself better, but to make your team better. It, obviously, combined with the athleticism to actually make it happen, to, you know, the, the sort of game he could develop into, or the sort of player he could develop into, it's the sky's the limit, man. I'm just, I'm so excited to see where he goes. And I, there's been a ton of talk about injuries. It does, it, it worries me, but. David Griffin, that that coaching staff, the medical team, they know that this dude is, and Zion knows. His, you know, he's got a great family. That's that's one thing we've always sort of known about him. His his uh, mom and his stepdad are really good. I don't want to say almost overbearing, but with a guy like that, like it's good to have really good, strong parental influences, especially when they're just good parents. I think this guy just has a chance to redefine. I don't want to say redefine basketball because I it's it's so here's what I'll say. Like Steph Curry, I can watch Steph Curry and I'm wrong, but I can tell myself that I can do what Steph Curry does. Right. Steph Curry or Dame Lillard. Right. There are college basketball players that can watch those guys and say, I can do what they can do. You can't be six, three, 215 and watch Zion and be like, yeah, I could do that. Like there are three human beings in the planet that can do what Zion can do Two, you know, like LeBron James in his prime could do what LeBron uh, Zion can do to an extent. And Zion, I mean, so it's one of those things. And I know I'm, I'm really rambling now, but um, I think what was always really great about LeBron was he had the athletic tools and he realized um, with that 
he realized that with his body, it's so it's like with Luca, right? He's tall, so he can make these different passes and see these angles. When you have that level of athleticism, you have this toolbox that is so wide ranging and just so devastating. You have, you know, he can learn a three pointer. That's great, but he can make plays that no other human being can make because no other human being has the physical capacity to make that play. Even if they train and learn how to make the play, you know, nobody can jump from a certain spot and get to the same point that Zion can, or they can't move fast enough laterally. Um, I don't know if I'm quite making the point right, but he just having that athleticism opens up just more angles and more possibilities than, you know, if you're a 6'2 guy with decent athleticism. Or even, I mean, there are freaks of nature in the NBA. But Zion, and I feel like people say that he's a freak among freaks, right? They say that about certain guys. He is a freak among freaks, the same way Giannis is, in the same way LeBron was or in, and still is, uh, in the same way Jordan was in his prime. It's really rare for me to, to have a friend talk about some player in a way where it sounds like they're like a super fan or like they're a Pelicans fan, but like really they're, they're, they're in South Carolina with like no basketball team nearby. That's, that's pretty, uh, pretty, pretty great insights there, Cooper. I mean, Hey, like, it, Wait, it let me tell you, like, let me tell you, I was, yeah, uh, I was like a Zion, like hater, maybe like oh, before, before, you. before his first game. Right. Like, I just don't, I just the, don't believe the, the, in the, the coverage, hype, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. The I just think it was, was overrated. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I saw it's hard his to entire. Until you see him. Yeah, I saw his entire first game. I remember. You probably remember this, but you know he made the first three pointer, right? I was like, "Come on!" That he was he was wide open. No one was really defending him. And then he made a second one. I was like, "Come on, he's he's lucky." It's a, and then he made a third one, and I think he made a fourth one that night. And I was like, "Wow, this is uh, I'm witnessing uh, something special, maybe." Maybe yep. in five years, like I'll say, like I saw his first game on TV. I just, again, I could do a whole podcast on him. I just we can think do that. we can make that happen. We can, make we, that happen. we may have to dude. Um, if he, so I know he returned to the bubble, I think either last night or the night before. So he's projected to be in their regular season games. I would, I would be more than happy to come on and talk about him after we get a few games. Cause it's just, it's something I've never seen before. And I hope you get a chance one day to see him in person because you should, you should I actually, I technically, I technically did see him in person at summer league. I was, uh, I was standing by like a tunnel and then he just like walked right by me and he gave autographs. So technically I did yeah. see him in person. Oh, you got to see him play though. Um, right, right. yeah, I know I do. I remember seeing him sit core side. I mean, you can just see the size of him, but if you, it's just, it's, it's why I don't blame you for being a doubter. Um, I don't blame anyone for doubting him before they actually saw him on TV because it's just, it's never happened before. And that's why I say since LeBron, because nobody thought this with Anthony Davis, right? Nobody was like, yeah, it's just not possible that you can be what Anthony Davis is. Like he fits within a mold that we've seen before. Zion Williamson has created his own mold. Like people were comparing him to what? Like Charles Barkley and Larry Johnson. Those, 
those are probably your closest comparisons, but I mean, you've seen Zion. He's not either of those guys. He is so much different than those guys. These, there's just never been someone like him. Um, it, and like, I, I've, you know, I've rambled on enough about him, but it's just, it's going to be so interesting to see him grow and develop his talents because it's so rare. So Wiggins is the guy I would point to as like a contrasting uh, guy. Wiggins has, don't get me wrong, he doesn't have the level of athleticism that Zion does, but he had so much athletic potential. He just did not have that drive necessarily. I think people say he didn't love basketball. I think that's simplistic, you know? It's one thing to be on the court and enjoy playing the game of basketball, but you have to have long-term, you have to have this understanding that what I'm doing today is going to affect how I am five years from now. You have to have this ability to care every single day, every single hour, and just to understand what you're capable of. And I think Zion has that. He has self-awareness. Um, that I don't think most players like that have. I think that's what I'm saying with his family, right? I think most of the time, if you're a number one prospect, you've got so many people in your ear telling you, you're great, you're amazing, you're going to be the best basketball player of all time. It's really hard to keep um, an incredible work ethic when you hear that. And I think that's why we see a lot. I think the majority of drafts, if you go back and look, the best player was not the number one overall pick. You know, take Kawhi Leonard, right? Kawhi Leonard was not, I'm sure when he was in high school, people were telling him, you're great, you're awesome, you're going to be awesome. It's not like he went undrafted. He was the 15th overall pick, but played at San Jose State, you know, 15th overall pick. He wasn't... San Diego State, actually. Sorry, San Diego State. You're right, you're right. Um, Just the idea that it's really hard to be told that you're a generational prospect and then live up to being a generational prospect. And I don't want to say Ben Simmons is the same way because I think for him it's more just been he has deficiencies in his game that he has to work out. Um, but to be honest, I mean, Ben Simmons doesn't have quite the athleticism that Zion does. I mean, Zion just has athleticism that rarely comes around. And to combine that with the proper mentality, that's what's going to turn him into – I believe, you know, potentially, I'm not going to say the next LeBron, but the next LeBron caliber player in terms of this guy defined an era of basketball. And that's what it is, right? It's not that this guy uh, changed the way basketball is played because unlike, so that's what I was saying with Steph Curry, right? He play, changed the way basketball is played because Dame Lillard can somewhat replicate Steph Curry. Seth Curry can somewhat replicate Steph Curry, right? These guys, Trey Young can somewhat replicate him. You can't replicate what Zion's doing because you aren't physically capable of, capable of it. Um, he doesn't change the way basketball's played because you can't change your game to be like him. Uh, I think he could absolutely define this era of basketball, though. You know, I mean, it'll be him, Giannis, and Luka, but those dudes are amazing. I think Zion just captures the imagination of people like no one since LeBron has. Um, it's quite possible that he doesn't end up being that level of player. You know, maybe I think if it happens, it'll be injuries. I just don't see any way he doesn't develop this skill wise. Um, but man, I am just, again, I could talk about him forever. He is such an interesting prospect and he's just so fun to watch. 
I'm going to call it here before this podcast just turns into a Zion Williamson podcast. Um, congrats. Yeah, good luck. Uh, yeah, good luck. Congrats on your incoming uh, degree. Thank um, you. Any, any last thoughts before we sign off here? Yeah, can I give you 20 more minutes on Zion Williamson? No, we uh, do not <laughs> uh, want this to be a Zion Williamson podcast. Yeah, we can do that in the future, though. No, man. It was good to talk to you. This was a lot of fun. I'm, oh, man. I, I miss basketball so much. Uh, good luck with the online work. Can't wait to hear about UC Irvine's fake football team. And uh, stay safe. All right. Thanks for coming on. Thanks.